Well, welcome to another midweek edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh, and you know what happens on Wednesdays. That's right, it's Everyone Wednesday. We spell Wednesday a little differently around here at the Bottom Line Show. Instead of W-D-N-E-S-D-A-Y, it's W-I-N-S-D-A-Y. Everyone Wednesday, that means we have enough goodies to give away for everybody who calls, and our principal focus today is... It's going to be on a new book by Dr. Jim Burns, who joins me in studio. The book is called Have Serious Fun and 12 Other Principles to Make Each Day Count. It was written when Jim, about 10 years ago, was diagnosed with cancer, was facing a very, very challenging season of life. And that's what he said. I got to make sure I have my priorities straight for this final chapter of what's happening. We have four copies of this book we're giving away today. And since you are listening early, you get the phone number first and you can get in line first. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. The number to get you through to the bottom line. Special guest joining me in the studio today. Not guest. I mean, family. I mean, mentor, friend. Dr. Jim Burns with Homeward is in studio with me today, and he has a brand new book out that is that put a smile on my face, even though it's about a very serious subject. The book is called Have Serious Fun and 12 Other Principles to Make Each Day Count. We've got a link for this brand new book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Dr. Jim Burns, welcome back to The Bottom Line Roger, Show. it is so good to be with you. Good to be face-to-face here, and I'd love to get these in-studio conversations here, too. Absolutely. How is your health? I mean, seriously. My I, health I is, is good. You know, I had a bump 10 years ago, which we'll talk about with this book. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm in good shape. Now, my wife says I need to work out a little bit better. I could probably lose a few more pounds. And uh, I keep saying I'm going that direction. But, no, I'm in good, I'm in good shape. Uh, you know, I, I, I spoke last Sunday from 810 to 745, 810 in the morning until 745 at night. Oh, my gosh. So, you know, I'm, I'm uh, keeping busy. Yeah, you, well, you look great. And one of the issues in uh, the book, Have Serious Fun, is the fact that these are life lessons, leadership lessons, Things that uh, many people know you as a marriage and family guy, parenting and family right. expert, uh, right. have done so for, for many, many years in your most recent book about adult children, yes. uh, the, the the boomerang crowd, or, you know, uh, it, it's it's striking a nerve with so many people who are, are dealing with that issue. I think this book is going to touch people in the same way, too. Have serious fun. It was born out of that cancer scare about 10 it, years It ago. really was. You're, you're, you're exactly right. You know, I had uh, really just a checkup for an insurance policy. And they said, you know, you got some problems here with this blood. Let's get it worked out. And so I went from one doctor to another doctor. They sent me to another doctor. And finally, a doctor said, uh, can you come today and bring your wife? Never mm. a good thing for a doctor to say no, that. Well, and it was shocking, of course, that he said today, because yeah. I thought I was doing fine. And he had actually told me I was doing fine. Right. And, you know, he sat there. It was grim. And he said, you've got cancer, the big C word nobody wants to hear. And the process of all of a sudden hearing cancer, it was actually pretty close to after my mom died of cancer. So I was mm. feeling a little vulnerable. Mm-hmm. I never thought I was going to die. My, my mother-in-law did, Roger. Mm-hmm. She said, Kathy, you've had a great marriage to Jim. And if he goes now, he's, uh, you know, he's going to be with God in heaven. And you're going to be young enough to get remarried real quickly. <laughs> <laughs> you got to love the mother-in-law. <laughs> but out of this cancer uh, situation, I came up with some phrases that were very important to me and principles of life that I've tried to live by and continue to, some things I've learned along the way. And I, it was just meant to pass it on to my kids. And, you know, here we are talking about it. Yeah. 
the, on radio. The Legacy podcast. Book. Yeah, Have Serious Fun by Dr. Jim Burns. We've got a link for it up at thebottomlineshow.com. There are 13 of these principles. And, and, and the first one is something that I've known about the Burns family for the 20-plus years that <laughs> you and I have known each other and worked together. And, and it's basically if you're not having fun, you're doing something wrong. It's the theology of Groucho Marx, right? I mean, <laughs> let's, it is. Let's, let's talk about that, though, because what, you do make a very profound statement in the book where you write, uh, it might sound like an oversimplification, but a family that doesn't play well together probably isn't doing all that well. Well, right. You know, what I found over the years, and, uh, is, and I think I spent a season of my life too serious. Um, in fact, you were with me as we were doing some stuff. We were working hard and, you know, we were grinding out things. And I don't know that it was as fun. I, you know, I, I'm not talking about out, being outgoing or whatever. I'm just simply saying, you know what? Families that do play, families that have fun, it, it, it draws them together. It draws them to be more close-knit. And I've often said to people, look it. I'm not taking away the problems that you have with your marriage or with your kids, but right. if you play together, even as a couple, it's going to improve your marriage. If you play together with your kids, it's going to draw them together. So you want connection. Sometimes words don't make it, but sometimes connection by play actually draws them together. It's one of the traits of a healthy family. Yeah. That goes way back to my research with my PhD. Mm -hmm. And so it's one of the traits of a healthy family that we, we really do need to you know have some serious fun. And, and I wrote that year, I wrote in my journal um, that I wanted to have more fun in my own life and, and actually less clutter and less stress. Mm -hmm. And so you've got to be intentional about that. Well, I've noticed that you're sitting in a very clutter-free workspace right now, and I'm filled with all the clutter, so <laughs> I need to read this book again and again. Uh, Dr. Jim Burns, right. my guest today in studio here on The Bottom Line. I'm Roger Marsh. Have serious fun and 12 other principles to make each day count. We've got a link for this book up at thebottomlineshow.com. And this fun part is it's it can be structured or it can be spontaneous. Right. Well, you know what? If you structure, I call it planned spontaneity. There you go. If you structure it, you know, you're going to have fun in those spontaneous times as well. And that's actually just one of the principles, and then it kind of moves to other things. But the reason I put that first and the reason the title is that, because I think that's what people need right now. Yeah. We've just been through a pandemic. We're continuing to, you know, struggle with certain issues. Uh, air, families, we just had this on our Homeward uh uh, culture update, but four out of five families say that they had severe stress sometime during COVID. Mm. That doesn't mean that they also didn't say we had some great times. Right. So you're always walking parallel tracks, but you know we've had tough times. What we what we need to do is break out, have some fun, and you don't have to all go to Hawaii or you know spend loads and loads of dollars to have fun. You can have fun right at home sometimes by just turning off your social media and turning off your phone and enjoying each other. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what, the Hawaii is not overrated. I mean, for all the times you, the Burns family have gone, Lisa and I went to, to Maui on our honeymoon, and man, we can't wait to get back. It we, we was just, great. So, I've been there twice Yeah, yeah uh, recently. Well, thanks. As part of our that. Half Serious Fun thing. <laughs> Another principle that you have, uh, attitude. Talk yeah. about the, so many people get, I'm sure you counsel couples. They come in and say, this isn't happening and that isn't happening, yeah. and you have to ask, what is the expectation level? Talk about why uh, attitude is so key. It's everything. Well, actually, and it's called Attitude is Everything, that chapter. But, you know, the fact is, is as I started looking at people and I started seeing their patterns, people had the same problems. It's what they do with their attitude that either they thrive during some of those problems or they crash. Mm -hmm. And, you know, one of the things that I often love to say, and you've heard me say it lots of times, Roger, because we've kind of done life together over the years, is, you know, your circumstance may not change, but your attitude can change. Yes. That makes all the difference in the world. So, I, you know, I said that this last week. I was in a church, and I was preaching, and 
And I said that, and I said, you know, sometimes from the pulpit, you want us to say, no, all these things can change. Your life may not change. You may still be sick. Your child may still, uh, as an adult child, may have, you know, walked away from God or strayed from God. You may have a child who's, you know, not doing it all right, or maybe you've lost a, a spouse due to either divorce or death or, you know, all these things. So your circumstance may not change, but your attitude can. And that's not just mind over matter. That's actually a deep spiritual mm -hmm. uh, issue as well. And so when we work on our attitude, I believe that we really can overcome some of those circumstances. And I think some of that has to do with, you know, really the idea of, of being a person who chooses to be thankful, who chooses joy in the midst of those kinds of circumstances. Yeah, it sounds like First Thess Thessalonians 5, 16, yeah. 17, 18, yeah. right there. You know, rejoice always, pray without ceasing. Exactly. I mean, that's, the, that's filled in that chapter, and it's also filled in the next chapter of this book. Well, it's, it's, it's all about your life, I and mean, yeah. you get right down to it, because that, that the idea, I love the quote you use in this book, the Oscar Wilde quote, some cause happiness wherever they go, others whenever they go. <laughs> I, it's very true, because, I mean, there's some people you, I always look forward to seeing you. I mean, there, and you are that guy, you know, I'm, you know, me, my nickname is Eeyore, right? I mean, <laughs> I don't know that people necessarily want me and I'm even no. wearing a black shirt here today. I don't, always want don't necessarily want to, to see me here, but, but you're right. The attitude that we bring to the conversation, uh, it's amazing how many people will be impacted by it because with everything that's going on in the world right now, uh, as you mentioned, our problems are pretty much the same everywhere we go. Um, it's not necessarily the problems. It's how do we deal with it? Exactly. And if you if you get intentional about it, a lot of it is intentionality. You know, and I talk about this when it comes to marriage. I talk about it when it comes to uh, parenting. I talk about it when it comes to life. But, you know, if we're intentional about it, but you got to make it you got to make it work uh, and you make your attitude change by by leaning into it. And and, and uh, also we I sometimes play the comparison game. But instead of playing the comparison game where, well, there's somebody who's richer or there's someone who's more healthy or there's someone who's more beautiful or whatever, you know, why don't I play the comparison game by saying, I am so blessed to live in the United States. I am so blessed to have a wonderful wife of 47 years. I am so blessed to have um, kids who are awesome and now three grandkids and on and on and focus on many of the reasons why I'm thankful, why I'm grateful, why I'm blessed. When I do that, my attitude changes, but my circumstances didn't change. Right, right. Yeah, that attitude is everything, and it's very it's it's key. These are two of the pillars that Dr. Jim Burns writes about in his brand new book called "Have Serious Fun" and twelve other principles to make each day count. We've got a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. As we continue, we're going to talk about thank therapy. We're going to talk about why having an attitude of gratitude makes all the difference in having a successful and fruitful life as opposed to having one that is uh, born out of uh, frustration and anguish. We'll talk about that on the other side of this break as the bottom line continues. You can protect against market volatility without investing all your money into bonds. Wilson Financial has simply better alternatives. The last 12 months, there has been almost $1.7 trillion invested in investment-grade bonds. This move to safety locks up money for a long time of guaranteed low returns. Why? Market volatility. Well, my comment is why go with low earnings for a long time when you can get great earnings with a solid real estate-backed investment paying you 6% over the next three years. After three years, you can invest in another option, or you can do what most of our investors do and reinvest in another one of our new exclusive 6% accounts. This strategy gives you the best of both options without settling for many years of low returns. Our 3D Money 6% account pays you great interest while you're not subjecting yourself to market volatility. Call 800-696-9970, 800-696-9970, or visit kbrightradio.com slash Wilson Financial and ask about Dennis Wilson's exclusive real estate-backed 6% investment account. Wilson Financial Services, for simply better alternatives. 
Dr. Jim Burns is my guest today here on The Bottom Line. I'm Roger Marsh. Jim has a brand new book that has a fun t- uh, title, Have Serious Fun, but 12 other principles as well. This is There are 13 total. To make each day count, and these are lessons that Jim, of course, has learned throughout the course of his life, but especially uh, during that season. And I remember how there were so many things happening in the world, so many things happening in our world as far as ministry goes, and then all of a sudden to get the big C diagnosis on top of that too, really does change your perspective. I'm, you know, cancer changes you. Uh, and I think sometimes an illness changes you and it can either change you for the worse or it can change you for the better. And I think, again, it goes back to what we talked about right before the break, where we where an attitude can make a difference. And, you know, it's OK to feel bad. It's OK to feel depressed. It's OK, okay to have some worries. And at the same time, you know, this next uh, this next principle is so key to me and it's part of my life is, you know, practice thank therapy. And so what I started doing even more during my cancer time, not knowing how this was all going to end, was I started re- writing down reasons why I was thankful. And so even in the midst of the fact that I'd go to the city of hope mm-hmm. and get tested and get poked and prodded and, you know, more blood drawn and all this, I could also write reasons why I was thankful. And it was the base, it was the simple things, Roger. It mm-hmm. was, wait, I have a relationship with God. That's beautiful. I have a relationship with my spouse, my kids. I'm so thankful for them. I'm thankful for the people I work with. I'm thankful for, you know, the certain people in my life. I'm thankful for the sunshine, white lines on the road, you yes. know, whatever it might be. And what that did was it it gave me reason to, um, you know, give me and strength. So when I got to City of Hope and I had all these doctors poking and prodding at me, I went, you know what? You can poke and prod all you want. There's something I'm really thankful for yeah. on this side. And it was really life-changing and helpful. Well, there's a reason why they call that place City of Hope, by the yeah. way, too. Yeah. But well, was- hope. Yeah, is part of being thankful. Absolutely. Sure. You, you cite a study in here with a couple of professors at Indiana University that talks about the importance of practicing uh, gratitude. Talk yeah. about that. Well, you know, what's fascinating is I started uh, with thank therapy because it comes out of the Bible. You know, it says in everything you do, give thanks for this is God's will for you. Uh, and I also then moved to what is what does the secular world say about it? Because the secular world talks today a lot about thankfulness. They yes. may not do it in the same vein that this particular uh book that I'm, I've written says it. And I was blown away, Roger, because the, the study that I quote are these two professors at Indiana University who basically says, they say, when you practice gratitude, your life can get better. Mm-hmm. You can improve your life mm. with a simple act of gratitude. And I thought, how funny. The Bible's been saying this for 4,000 plus years, because again, it's in the Old Testament as well as the New Testament. But here are these people saying, wow, this is life. We have new research. This is life changing. And so I, where there is good secular research on uh, things, I, I want to talk about that as well. And that was, that was a really a, a great thing for me to, to say, wow, this is exactly what we've been saying uh, for years. And now these people are saying, wait, here's the research behind it. It was great. You know, it, it's interesting to, to when a biblical principle shows up in secular research. Yeah. And it, it kind of affirms the fact that you know, the rain falls on the just and the unjust. Yeah, I mean, these, exactly. the, God's goodness is so good for every aspect of our lives. And how many people do we know would benefit from biblically based thank therapy? Like no, you just no, you're about. right. And, and you know, it's fascinating. I find this because I have speak, spoken on this subject quite a bit. And sometimes I've spoken in what you'd call a secular arena. And I'll talk about thank therapy. And, you know, people aren't backing off of that. And I tell them where I get this material. But, you know, they say, no, this is really good. This is really helpful. So if anybody would practice thank therapy, which is for me every day, 
and, and I write it down, but writing down at least 20 reasons why I'm thankful, that gets perspective for me. And I've done that not only um, with just life like that, but I've done it in my marriage as well. I tell a story in there about practicing thank therapy with Kathy because she kind of bugged me. She said I was getting a double chin and it was you know bothering me. <laughs> and I was kind of mad at her. But at the same time, I, I heard this inner voice in my head, practice thank therapy toward your wife. And I said, you know, thank you, God, for, for Kathy. And thank you for the amazing wife she is and the great mother she is. And, you know, again, she still said this negative thing to me, uh, which bugged me. <laughs> it still does kind of. But the the fact was, is it, it put it in perspective. And the perspective was, no, I'm I'm grateful for this lady. Yeah. Well, if I can give any advice, too, because your goatee is awfully thin and mine's a little bigger. If you let it grow down a little bit more, tougher to see the double. Uh, just a, uh, that's I, it. The one grooming yeah. tip that I can yeah. give to Dr. Or, Jim or Burns. just eat more salads. Well, eat, <laughs> yeah, see, and we'll find that out later, I'm sure. Dr. Jim Burns, my in-studio guest today here on The Bottom Line. The book is called Have Serious Fun and 12 Other Principles to Make Each Day Count. We've got a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. This next uh, principle sounds very scientific, very clinical, and yet it's a uh, well, I guess uh, blessed are the flexible, as my pastor likes to say, because they don't get bent out of shape. Practice positive adaptability. <laughs> Talk about that. This is one of the newer things that I've been speaking on a lot, learning about, wanted to really give to my kids. You know, I think there's two traits that kind of rise above the rest when it comes to relationships, especially, and that's positive adaptability. And in fact, I was, uh, I, you may know this, I was i was consulting uh, eHarmony.com, and I was with one of my mentors, Neil Clark Warren, who's actually a beautiful Christian, a marriage expert. And I said to Neil, I said, Neil, what, what is the one trait that would help a marriage the most? He's a marriage expert. I realize he's, sure. eHarmony is, you know, is the singles thing, but you know, he's a phenomenal man. He's in his eighties now. And he said, without a moment's hesitation, he said, adaptability. Hmm. And uh, what that got me thinking about was, you know, we have to sometimes, because we're so different in our relationships, we have to sometimes be aware of the fact that, you know, stuff is going to happen. People are going to get sick. Uh, people are going to let us down. Uh, we are going to bump into each other, but we've still got to be flexible. And so the phrase out of that for me was, does it really matter? Mm. And, uh, you know, there's certain things with Kathy because we're so different. We say we have a high maintenance marriage. I mean, we write books together on marriage. We speak on marriage, but yet we do have a high maintenance marriage. And yet a lot of it now with Kathy is, you know, does it really matter? I mean, let's, let's take the toothpaste mm -hmm. tube. Sure. So Kathy squeezes it from the middle. I mean, again, I've been married to her for 47 <laughs> years. It drives me nuts. And I roll it neatly. I'll yeah. add as Jesus, I'm sure would do. Yes. right. And, um, <laughs> you know, I have to ask the question. I mean, does it matter? I mean, so guess what? We have two tubes of Crest yes, toothpaste and, and yep. we're like just more than happy. I have to ask the question a lot. Do I want to be right or do I want to make the relationship better? Mm -hmm. See what I'm saying? So part of that is to be adaptable. Now, world's probably greatest researcher, John Gottman, says that positivity is the twin sibling to adaptability. And he says it's the emotional climate of a home. It's the emotional climate of an office. You know, what is it? Well, it's the adapt uh, positivity, I should say. So yesterday I was speaking on this and I quoted something by him that he calls the magic ratio that says... The, the magic ratio is five positive interactions to one negative. So he's not saying you don't have a negative interaction. Right, right. But he said he's never seen a divorce happen when there's that kind of a ratio. So it's the positivity toward your spouse. It's also the positivity with your kids, the positivity with workers. Um, he said at the same time, he's never seen a good marriage if it's one to one, one positive, one negative. So to me, I want to help people understand this, especially as a legacy type book that you know you can live with a positive adaptability and uh, in that 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 makes all the difference in the world yeah and, 
it, it, it's amazing to see how these principles actually come to life as I'm talking with Dr. Jim Burns about his brand new book called Have Serious Fun and 12 Other Principles to Make Every Day Count. As we talk about this positive adaptability, one of the principles you bring out, which I really resonated, I've got this underscored and dog-eared in my copy of the book, is identifying the difference between problems and patterns. Yeah, Help yeah. us understand that. It's funny, I talked to somebody about it this morning. You know, a problem, Roger, we could go over to Starbucks and if you had a problem, we could try to resolve the problem. And if it's a problem, then it's pretty easy to resolve, you know, change this or do this. Sure. Patterns are things that have been living with us for a long time. Mm -hmm. So when you have a, a, a pattern, let's take, for example, in the book, I talk about the negativity pattern. Mm -hmm. That's that's a mindset. Now, that's harder to switch. In fact, the Bible says, um, as a person thinks in their life, so they become. Right. Okay. And and that's true. So that's that's kind of the self-fulfilling prophecy. And sometimes it can these patterns go into what I call, it's a new word in the English language, it's a verb, it's been in the dictionary for about two years, awfulize. So awfulize? We, we become awfulizers. <laughs> so the word awful and then, you know, awfulize. Yeah. And if we're an awfulizer, that means that we're saying, you know, it's always the worst. So, you know, my husband is late from work again, he's going to have an affair. You know, my right. child is going to impregnate the entire class. He's only in fifth grade. <laughs> you know, we will never get along. We will never get out of debt. We'll never, and with that kind of mindset... That's that's just a negative mindset. Offalizers don't do well in relationships. And mm. so my point here is that, no, we proactively, you hear that word in every principle, but you proactively you know, move toward positivity in a relationship, move toward adaptability, you're going to do better. Yeah, that's great counsel from Dr. Jim Burns today here on The Bottom Line Show. Uh, Have Serious Fun is the brand new book and 12 other principles to make each day count. We've got a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Uh, we'll talk about this change in adaptability in a different light on the other side of this break as we talk discuss the pain of discipline versus the pain of regret. Once you figure out that transaction, uh, will your life improve dramatically? Dr. Jim Burns is nodding approvingly. We'll talk about that on the other side of this break as The Bottom Line continues. Welcome back to the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. I feel like I'm on uh, got, having an exam here. My friend and mentor, Dr. Jim Burns, is here. I wrote this book. Now read it and, and give me a report on it. I'm glad you're here to answer all the questions. I just have to ask. <laughs> I don't have all the answers. Yeah, I'll well, tell you that much. I'm well, still you've got quite out. a few. And, you know, it's interesting for as long as we've known each other. Um, when you first sent me a copy of the book and said, hey, I wrote this thing. It's kind of a legacy thing. It's kind of my journey through the 10 years past cancer and what I've learned. Uh, but you've probably seen a lot of this stuff before. I, I've got so many notes and underlines and you're saying, wait, I mean, some of these principles, yeah, but I mean, it's a different Jim Burns writing these. Yeah. I mean, you know what? This... It is a different Jim Burns. And, and cancer actually helped me yeah. become a different Jim Burns. Yeah. All of a sudden, I didn't want to be as serious about certain things. I wanted to relax a little bit more. You know, our organization that you and I worked mm -hmm. with, it was larger and now it's smaller. Yeah. And I'm happy. Mm -hmm. um, I feel good. I was at a church the other day speaking and it was a smaller church. I also speak in very large venues. But I was really happy being in that small church. Okay. I got a chance to talk to people where sometimes I'm in venues where I stand up on a stage, I speak and I walk off and I never talk to one person. Mm. And uh, those are things that have changed for me, and uh, and I realize I do I enjoy my my very thin line. You know the the uh, Celtics have a phrase about a thin line between heaven and and earth, and you know that's my chair. I have a chair, and I spend more time in that chair than I used to. And it's not like because I'm old and I you know can't get out of the chair, but it's because I love that time mm -hmm. today, and. Uh, and I want to be a more disciplined person because I think I want to take the advice of Paul when he said to Timothy, 
discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. Amen. And I want to do that more. And I think the area of discipline is, is critical and uh, it's not easy. It isn't. As a matter of fact, you have a whole chapter on it, the pain of discipline or yeah. the pain of regret. Yeah. You're going to have to endure one of them. Talk right. about why it's Well, so there's important. pain in life. Yeah. You know, and so you either have the pain of discipline or the pain of regret. And you know what I like to do, and I will do this sometimes on stage when I'm talking about this, I'll say, you know, when I walked up here, no one said what a stud he is, but I've been working out. And so I have some pain from, you know, the, the muscles <laughs> yeah. here. And then I go to my stomach and I go, but this is the pain of regret. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and, and truly, when it comes to relationships, when it comes to our relationship with God, when it comes to so much of who we are and what we're about, it is being willing to have the pain of discipline. The people who succeed mm-hmm. are people. And I'm not just talking about monetarily, by all means. I'm talking about in life. These are people who have, who have a steady discipline. Mm-hmm. They they make it a priority to yes. say I'm going to practice serious fun. I'm going to I'm going to yeah. endure the the hardship now because I know it's going to lead to growth. And in the same way, isn't it interesting that when you have a good workout, uh, Lisa and I like to play tennis, and we yeah. come off the tennis court, and there are times when the next morning we'll wake up and say, "Where's the Tylenol?" You know, because <laughs> it just uh, she, she works really hard. Yeah, but that's the that is you're right. That's what you do. I'll give you a little hint. I've never said this to one person, but actually. My title for the book was It's the Pain of Discipline or the Pain of Regret because I wanted to kind of start with that. You know, Have Serious Fun is a sexier title and actually a really good title for it. But the part of having discipline, then the other things kind of fall into place. Well, you know, that's a biblical principle and the Bible's filled with that thought right there. Mm-hmm. It's, well, it's key. I mean, understanding how all these things come together. And I, I, I agree. I wouldn't have come up with the title either. I mean, that's where yeah. you and I are, are very similar. I like your title better, uh, in all honesty. But when you get right down to it, these principles are, have been life-changing for you. I know you write about this, the BC world and the AC world yeah. uh, for Jim Burns before and after cancer. And the book here is a, it's a real, it's a gem. Uh, have serious fun and 12 other principles to make each day count. We've got a link for the book up at the bottom line show.com. Jim, for somebody who just tuned in, they want a 60 second synopsis of the book. How do you describe it? Well, I would say that I was talking about the book and somebody said to me, this sounds like your legacy book. And I quoted Monty Python, of course, and said, <laughs> I'm not dead yet. But I don't want to go about it is yeah. I was giving my kids really. And I started with just the thought of giving my kids. I had cancer mm-hmm. and I, Thought I was going to live, but you know, you know, you never know with cancer. My mom had just passed with cancer, and so I wanted to put down the key principles and phrases of my life to my kids. And then somebody asked me to speak on it, and I did. And afterwards, I went, "Whoa!" They stayed around for a long time and asked questions, mm. and I knew I had struck a key to them. So these principles were apparently important to me but they became important to others as well. Well, these are great principles, and you'll find them all in the brand new book, Have Serious Fun and 12 Other Principles to Make Each Day Count. We've got a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. We'll take a quick break, and when we come back, more of these principles that we're working through with Dr. Jim Burns on the other side of this break as The Bottom Line continues. You've been in an accident, and the worst thing you can do is to wait to contact Stephanie at Cover Law. Stephanie frequently talks to people who waited too long to seek help with their cases or tried to handle them on their own, and by then, it's too late. Family and friends mean well, but they can give truly bad advice. Often, even trusted advisors will try and convince you to wait for more compensation. Stephanie knows the insurance companies want you to wait. They don't want you to file police reports, and they don't want you to reach out to Stephanie at Cover Law. That's because Stephanie is keenly aware of the tactics they use and why. 
She spent 20 years litigating for insurance companies and knows the strategy they will use to minimize their liability and your awarded amount. Insurance companies are for profit. They don't share Stephanie's Christian values, and typically they won't be fair to you. Don't deny yourself the ability to get better. Go with a proven expert in the field of personal injury and contact Cover Law at kbrightradio.com slash C-O-V-E-R today. Welcome back to The Bottom Line. I'm Roger Marsh. Dr. Jim Burns in studio with me today here. Jim, can you hold that up for just a second? You got a new book in your hand, don't you? Uh, Have Serious Fun and 12 Other Principles to Make Each Day Count by Dr. Jim Burns. And he's holding the book. And we've got a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Jim and I have a long history of, uh, and, and easily, if you might not know it by listening to this program, because sometimes people say, you're always making fun of stuff and laughing at this, that, and the other thing. But when I work with Jim Burns, Jim is the fun guy, and I'm not the fun guy. Is that is that a fair way to put it, Jim? I don't think so. I think you're fun, <laughs> okay? And we had, a lo- we had so much fun. Um, and we had fun times because, you yes. know, you were our executive producer at Homeward when I was there on the radio show. And I can remember seeing LeBron James his first year out. That's right. And I went That's and did right. that. And mm-hmm. then we had, we had fun interviewing people yes. because people are fun. They're funny. Um, it's enjoyable. You get to still do this. I don't yeah. do it as much. Um, but we, we had a blast. Yeah. My, yeah. I treasured those seasons with my good buddy Robert. I do too. Well, I do too. As a matter of fact, I remember that game because LeBron was a rookie. We were in Indianapolis. We were there for a convention. And everyone else at the convention went to go see this new movie that was going to be coming out. And uh, we chose to go see LeBron James. And come to find out the movie was Passion of the Christ, which, of oh, course, we, you know, oh. we blew that off for we a basketball did? game. I, we I did. I knew it was a, a Christian movie. I didn't know it was the, the biggie. <laughs> that, that's okay. It's okay. Yeah. Pri- but, you know, if we talk about having serious fun, the priorities that we had um, – one of the principles that you mentioned in the book uh, is family matters more than work. And yeah. I know that sounds so obvious to us, but why is it so difficult for us to put in practice? I, I don't think people do that very well. And I think this has been an issue for me. I don't think I could have written that as a principle that I've been working on early on because I think I put work ahead of my family sometimes. And and th- people would look at me and still say, oh, wow, he was he, he does that well. But I think there was a season in my life where I gave my family my emotional scraps. I was there. Mm-hmm. I mean, I showed up to the you games. Were I showed there. up to the things. But the question is, am I only giving my family my emotional scraps? As I look now at legacy, and I, as I look at the cancer issue and, you know, am I going to live or am I going to die? I went, you know what? When I go, nobody is going to remember, you know, what my degree is in. And nobody is going to remember, you know, the latest, greatest Jim Burns speech. But my life is about my family. And so I want a right relationship with God, and I want a right relationship with my family. Sure, I want other things too, but those are the, the key things. Yeah. And I think when you put your family into your calendar, and when you put make your family a priority, some things have to go, and sometimes I think that's work. So I'm not saying work isn't important, I'm just saying it's not as important. Yeah. I've never met anybody who said, at the end of my life, oh, I wish I would have worked harder. I mm-hmm. would have, mm-hmm. What they're saying is, I wish I would have spent more time with my family, my right. children. Right. And so for me, I, I think that's a you know that's a key priority. I mean, I'm going home today early from work because Charlotte and James are at our house. And nice. Those are my grandkids, uh-huh. five and three, and I want to go hang out with them. And so James, I bought him a baseball glove. Oh, right, love baseball, good grandpa. And so I went over to the sporting goods store and I said, "It's time." He's five. And I bought him accidentally a left-handed glove, so I just picked it up. You know, I played some <laughs> baseball, and then he puts it on. I, I didn't even notice it. He put the glove on. And, he, and I said, well, that's on the wrong hand, bud. And he, he looks at me like, well, it's left-handed. It not fits, that yeah. It. So he puts it on. I go, oh, my gosh, 
James, I bought you the, a left-handed glove. <laughs> so I had to go back to the sporting goods and said, Grandpa, fail. But, you know, at 4 o'clock today, I will be there playing catch with James because he's getting really good, I just must admit. But that's much more important to me than the list of things I have to do at work. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's important. I work hard. It is. But that's important to me. And I want, I want James... You know, to he calls me Papa Jay, and I want James, who is my namesake at this point, I want him to just love spending time with me because I put yes. my energy into him. And I want the same for Charlotte. And now we have a Huxley, who's seven months, and nice. we're buddies, too. He's wearing uh, a Dodgers hat uh, the last time I saw him. Okay, well, that's uh, in the Burns family, that's fine. In the Marsh family, it's not going to fly. I know. Isaac, you know, Isaac has a battle between angels and cubs stuff, but that's a whole different situation. I know, I know. Situation. You, it's, uh, we didn't have an angel's hat. <laughs> well, he lives in L.A. You know, it's interesting. The pain of discipline versus the pain of regret. The fact that you have had moments, I'm sure, where you said, wow, I chose work over family, and that was a mistake, so next time I'm going to choose, make the right choice. And even though it means I'm not going to get that opportunity, whatever the work thing was, I, you got your priorities right. There's a number that you have in this chapter that I would not really put two and two together before. It's not like I've never heard it before, yeah. but 936, yeah, what's 936. the significance of that? Well, that, it's a huge number to me. You know, and, and actually, the Bible talks about numbering your days. Well, 936 weeks from the time a child is born until the time you launch them toward adulthood. Not only 936 weeks. Wow. So I remember the day that our James and Charlotte were born. Of course, Huxley, our, our last one, too. And I remember when my kids were born. And, you know, 936 goes pretty fast. Mm-hmm. So say by the time they're 10, they're going to be over halfway toward launching into adulthood. That right. just means the relationship changes. But, you know, it's every week they change. I'm watching our little Huxley, and every week it changes. And I have an app on my phone that actually has you know, each week and I'll mm. look at it and go, Oh my goodness, they're already at, you know, yeah. seven forty two. Yep. And so I want to make each week count if I can. And as a grandpa and I well actually I'll instead of talking about me, I'll talk about Kathy. When she you know, she's a teacher and when James came to town, she said, I want to be a fully engaged grandma. And so she watches James and she actually retired from teaching so that she could be present. Well guess what? You know, they are like buddies and mm-hmm. she's gonna by the time I get home, maybe I'm coming home early to play catch with him, but I also know that they're making cookies today. So, ah, you know. okay. Yeah, well, you'll have to see. So what, what a treat Yeah, and it, great to have that interaction with yeah. him. Uh, speaking of relationships, we've talked a lot about your relationship with Kathy and with your kids and with your grandkids. Um, one of the, uh, the, the principles that you can make each day count with is finding replenishing relationships. Yeah. And I want to share a confession with you before I get into the conversation. Yeah. During the pandemic, I've actually let go of a few relationships that were not replenishing. Yeah. Without any sort of re- people that you know. I mean, yeah. that, that, that I, I realized, hey, wait a minute, this is really one sided. And part of it is me because I'm an accommodating type of person. But part of it was just, hey, they're showing up and just suck, 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 <laughs> taking the life out of me. Um, when you uh, include a C.S. Lewis quote here to kind of set off the chapter, friendships born at the moment when one person says to another, wait, you too? I thought I was the only one. Talk about why that's a key foundation. Well, you, by the way, you just described VDPs, very draining people. Mm-hmm. And we're always okay. going to have them. You know, I just hope I'm not that VDP of yours. At least you, not you at saw all. me today. Not at but, all. Um, but there are VIPs. VIPs replenish you. It's that C.S. Lewis quote where, you know, you're with someone and you go, wow, we are just on all, all uh, cylinders here working. I had breakfast with a friend of mine who's the chairman of the board of Homeward today. And 
all of a sudden we looked at the clock and I had a, an appointment at nine and he had to get going and we've, we've been going at it for an hour and a half. Mm. We had some work to do. We did some homeward type work, but most of it, it was talking about friends, family, life. We go to the same church. We're having this great conversation. He's a replenishing relationship. Yes. What I realize is I need to put energy into those replenishing relationships, find those replenishing relationships. I'm in a small group every Tuesday. Right. We had uh, breakfast yesterday. Um, in, the, in terms of when we're, uh, you know, taping this. And I'm telling you, it was so good. And so I think we, we want to bring people around us who are replenishing. We do, we'll always have the VDPs, mm -hmm. but choose replenishing relationships. I talk to men especially who say, I don't have one replenishing relationship. Mm. And, they, and they want me to feel sorry for them. And I'm going, well, you can find replenishing relationships. They're out there. Yeah. Go find them. Right. Make that happen. Now, women tend to have more but you know even jesus i mean jesus had um peter and then he had three special you know disciples and then his 12 and then numbers so he actually had replenishing relationships i'm yeah. guessing that those disciples when they were by the sea of galilee you know picked up some mud and th had a mud fight sometime we don't it's <laughs> not in the bible but i'm assuming that those were the replenishing things because he kept coming back to them and you know he lived with them for three it's years. not in the bible but it'll probably be in an episode of the chosen coming up soon <laughs> i'm sure <laughs> that's the way be. that's all going to happen right. dr jim burns my in-studio guest today here on the bottom line we're talking about have serious fun the brand new book uh, it's have serious fun and 12 other principles to make each day count we've got a link for the book up at the bottomlineshow.com we're going to continue in just a moment talking about accountability why accountability is essential and not necessarily kind of a strict accountability, but rather how do you be more effective in your life? Dr. Jim Burns will talk about that on the other side of this break as the bottom line continues. Delightful conversation today here with Dr. Jim Burns. The We don't even mention Homeward that much. I mean, we talk about it casually, but you're still the founder and president of the Homeward. Ministry. I am the president of Homeward. And, you know, during the pandemic, Homeward has done great. We have yeah. webinars now that people can see from all over the world. And mm -hmm. we bring in great people. I actually get to do my interview things. Just yes. interviewed Ted Cunningham on marriage and it was nice, wonderful nice. and uh no homeward still the largest provider of parenting seminars we've just added courses so people can ha take parenting and marriage courses uh digitally online so uh we've got some great resources out there so homeward continues uh to do great things our culture blog just for the sixth year um straight just to boast about homeward for this and which i have nothing to do with the culture blog jim liebelt our my good buddy does it but it for the six year straight it became one of the top 50 culture blogs in the world wow just under cnn the bbc the los angeles times culture monsters you can see where i'm going kind of on some mm -hmm. of this and cannabis update or whatever i mean there's well that's update. good to know and then there's homeward you know <laughs> christian you know love whatever it. i love it but i'm really proud of that i'm really proud of jim um it's a pretty incredible uh when i see who we're up against trying to update you know it's, i mean it's all over the world and then you know our blog which is wonderful and people get it free i mean it's it's one of the things that homer does that i'm so proud of that i have nothing to do with but i read it every friday oh when as it comes do out I. like anybody else as do i because if you scroll all the way down at the bottom there's a little earbuds there and there's a radio broadcast that are and they will hear you and me talking it. yeah that's right so and that's homeward, that's all at homeward.com and it's all free by the yes. way so yes. i put it out there uh shameless plug for the work that we're still doing yep. with the homeward ministry yep. uh jim burns's brand new book is called have serious fun and 12 other principles to make each day count we've got a link for this book up at the bottom line show.com lesson number nine is about accountability and i love the quote you have i'm not familiar with steve maraboli for, forgive me for not doing that but if you hang out with chickens you're going to cluck 
I mean, <laughs> if, if you hang out with eagles, you're going to fly. Let's talk about accountability and yeah. being effective. And, and yeah. you know, the accountability factor is huge. Well, it's, it is huge. And, the, and where I go in that in the book is I talk about being in accountability relationships and how with other men and how that's helped. Also accountability relationship with Kathy, but actually more proactive with other men, you know, man to man. I wouldn't suggest that you get into heavy duty accountability with opposite sex. Right. That could, you know, be tougher. However, I also think it's important for what I had a conversation with today. My nine o'clock appointment was with someone who was struggling with pornography. Mm. And I said, you know, the answer to getting out of this because you have this desire is to be in an accountability relationship with someone mm-hmm. right. who who isn't going to just you know shame and slap you around, but is actually going to hold you accountable to what your goals and desires are. Now, that's important too. So I think we have to center around accountability. One of the things I'm most um, happy about in my life in as I've gotten older is that, you know, there are people in my life who ask me hard questions mm-hmm. and I allow them to ask those hard questions to me. And uh, and I ask them hard questions. Right. That doesn't mean I love these people, but I also it doesn't mean that I have it perfect. But and it doesn't mean I couldn't lie. But I just find that when people have others who who actually hold you accountable, that's good. And and too many people don't have that. And I, I, I whenever somebody gets into trouble, you know, you kind of say, wow, they you know had an affair, or they embezzled money, or they you know did this or that. I always look at and I go, I wonder if they have any accountability. Right. And I've never seen people who have accountability, or at least they were being held to. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a friend who was in a small group, and two of the people were having affairs during the small group, but they never told anybody. Mm. They would ask the question, how, how are we doing with the opposite sex? They go, oh, we're doing great. Well, they weren't. Well, they were, yeah, well, yeah that, that's not accountability. Right. Accountability is a good, it's a sign of showing love mm-hmm. to one another. And uh, I, I, I put that into my life in a pretty strong way. We've seen many major ministry leaders yes. over the years. I mean, the years that we've worked together um, fall. The Ravi Zacharias right. story was and just shocking. It was, shocking. It, shocking to see somebody who had one part of his life so well ordered, yes, and another part of his life so well hidden, yes. And the accountability you're saying is, if you want to right. have a more meaningful life, the accountability has to go all right. The board. I was having a conversation with a friend of mine who's uh, who worked for 17 years with one of those major names, mm-hmm. and. I said, were you surprised? Because I was shocked yeah. that this guy fell. I mean, you know, and like you mentioned, you know, Ravi, I mean, my goodness, I'm shocking. But he said, you know, I wasn't as much because I knew him and I knew he didn't have any accountability in his life. Right. And he said, the people who have accountability don't make some of the choices he was making and nobody was talking to him. He was like the emperor with no clothes on right. or whatever of that right. story. And so it's it's important for all of us to hear that. And, and I'm not just talking about the big time names that you just mentioned. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about everyday households. Are there places where there's accountability? I think when you have accountability, you are a better husband, a better father, a better wife, a better mother, you know, a better friend. And uh, accountability needs to be on a regular basis with at least one other person. Yes, yeah, so it's, it's so very, very key. And as we're talking about these 13 principles, the first is have serious fun and 12 other principles to make each day count that Dr. Jim Burns talks about in his brand new book, which is up at thebottomlineshow.com. Um, there's a communication strategy that you use that kind of encapsulates everything we're talking about because it's one thing I think we've seen in the culture, the number of Christians who know what's right, know what's true, and we're just going to tell you what it is. And we, we used to use the expression beating people over the head with a Bible. Right. You talk about communication with something that you have, it's an acrostic, uh, communication with awe. Yeah. Talk about why it's so important to use these three principles in conjunction with one another, because you can tell hard truths to people if you do it 
the right way. Sure you can. And, and it actually should be a foundation for, for anybody. If, if you come into my office and you've been there, I have uh, a, a little post-it note. It's now yellowed, and it says A period, W period, E period. Years ago, I wrote down uh, affection, warmth, and encouragement. And what I feel, any relationship can be improved with affection, warmth, and and encouragement. Now, again, affection, my affection with Kathy or my affection with my children is different than my affection with you. <laughs> but you can still shower people with affection. You can, the Warmth is a tone. So, you know, the you can change a relationship, the tone of a relationship with literally just one person could do that. But that takes, that takes back to discipline. Boy, that takes discipline. See, all these principles kind of blend together in some ways, too. And then encouragement. I mean, it was what Mark Twain, who said, I can live two months on one good compliment. I mean, you know, Jesus encouraged disciples. He encouraged Peter. I mean, he nicknamed him, you know, yeah. Petros or the rock. Rocky became the rock. Yeah. So, you know, that goes back to something that, that I've been living with for a long, long time, that my goal, and I think about it in my head all the time, you know, how can I bring awe into a relationship? Well, when I bring awe into the relationship with Kathy, it doesn't mean that our problems go away, but it means that there's now a foundation that's much more positive, talking about positive adaptability, but when you have affection, warmth, and encouragement, when that bucket is full, oh, then sure, you can take on some of the negative things, and it won't kill or quench the the relationship yeah and that's it's, it's so important to learn this and obviously you know people are going to read about it in your brand new book have serious fun but it's another thing to live it out and i know that you tell a story at the end of that chapter that it has always you know brought tears to my eyes about your relationship with your mom and what a great awe communicator yeah. she was ah, she was and you yeah. know she didn't know the acrostic and would never <laughs> read a book like this probably no but you know at the end of her life uh she was in hospice and I wanted to, I was going to go speak to 8,000 kids in an arena in Colorado, but I didn't want to leave my mom. Sure, your mom. And I was really torn. I didn't know what to do. And I called the place and said, I'm not really sure if I can come. I, and they said, well, we hope you can, you know, there's 8,000 kids who are going to be expecting you. And, and the day before I went to see mom and again, she was in hospice in my mom and dad's home. And, um, she was like up and about and like, Oh my goodness. So the, I come back and tell Kathy and she goes, you're the eternal optimist. She mm. can't be that good. <laughs> then she, then she came with me that day and, and my mom was good. And so we got, I got on a plane and I spoke that night and I came back and my mom had died. Mm. And I started thinking, what are the words that my mom, last words, you think of weird stuff like this. And so I was grieving and I wasn't going to speak the next day to these kids. I just went home and I went, wow, my mom, Pretty much when I left, I kissed her on the forehead. She had all kinds of things up her nose and, you know, <laughs> tubes. And I said, Mom, I love you. And she said, Jimmy, I love you and I'm proud of you. And those are the last words my mom ever said. Wow. Well, you know what? I'm an old guy now and I still treasure those words. I live with great strength because my mom loved me and was proud of me. Now, again, mm -hmm. I'm not perfect. And, you know, how I, I had a mother's love. I had, she was proud of me. She would have been proud of me if I, you know, wasn't doing anything. She was just, I'm her kid. That's yeah. how God loves us too. Right. But for me to have that, and I went, I want to do that with my family. I want to do that with those close to me. I want to be that kind of a person. Uh, it was a gift, Roger, that goes beyond words for me. I think that's a remar remarkable story to share, and it's a great reminder of the power of our presence. I mean, it, everything that you're writing here in this brand new book, Have Serious Fun, it's kind of like the fruit of the spirit, you know, where you start yeah. with love and you wind up with self-control. Here, all of these... Uh, 
these principles, um, they're not necessarily sequential, but you can see how they all start working together. Yeah. You know? yeah. Well, you and I did an interview years ago with a wonderful woman. We I know her still real well, Pam Farrell, and, and she and her husband had written a book. Uh, men are like waffles and women are like spaghetti. I right. may get have had the, the that's that, the essence of the title. Yes. And the, my principles are like spaghetti. They kind of blend. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about discipline. Well, you have discipline when you have accountability and when you're going through, you know, all these things kind of blend together, attitude, all that. Right. Um, and so, you know, I had to pull those out. But then, you know, toward the end, I wanted to put them, you know, back together because I found that, you know, in some ways I'm talking about my life. Now, again, these are the principles that I'm living my life by. Other people could add principles to, to their yeah. life. Sure. Well, leadership goals, delegation principles, there are all sorts of other principles yeah. here. We just kind of scratched the surface yeah. in the book, but our time has gone by much yeah. too quickly as it always does. Yeah. Jeb, we've got about 60 seconds left in our conversation here. This is a legacy book for you, right. which is really... Uh, I'm not dead yet, though. No, you're, you're, <laughs> I don't want to go on the cart. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, but, but talk about what, I mean, since you've been through this decade of, you know, now you're in the after cancer world, you're, you've got so many milestones that you've accomplished, and yet God still has so much more ministry for you uh, ahead. Uh, talk about why this book right now is so important to you and how it will benefit other people, regardless of what season in life they're in. Well, as I said, it, this was the book I didn't plan to write. Right. This was the book that I'm living and that I plan to hand to my kids, or at least the principles. And as I started speaking on it, what I realized was that a lot of us are going through similar issues. And it doesn't matter if you have cancer or you're uh, struggling in a marriage or you're uh, you know, frustrated with your adult child who's not really you know, making it happen. You know, I think we need to, to take on some principles, whether they be these or others, that I believe have a God-honoring purpose uh, to make each day count. And part of that is, you know, Jesus said, L live one day at a time. You know, that's in a right. modern version of how it was. And so what I'm trying to do is is embrace that. And I would, I would actually say there's a scripture that says, there's a scripture that says, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Roger, I'm saying that every day because I'm going to say God made today. This is the day. And I'm going to choose to rejoice and be glad in it. And in that, hey, I'm happy. I'm, I'm loving life. And uh, is it perfect? No, but it's sure... Um, it's sure a good place to be. And, and I'm just grateful that, you know, God has me here for the next day. I love it. I love it. Well, and the, that's why there's a happy face right on the front cover of the book. Uh, Dr. Jim Burns, the book is called Have Serious Fun and 12 Other Principles to Make Each Day Count. We've got a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Jim, thank you for the time. Thank you for the book. And thank you for your ministry being with Roger, us Roger, great to be with you. Our very first interview, and I wanted uh, to do it with you. So I'm so happy to be with you. Always good to have Dr. Jim Burns come by, but you know, I'll be honest with you, especially on Everyone Wednesday, because you always bring lots of books <laughs> along with him. The new book, Have Serious Fun and 12 Other Principles to Make Each Day Count is a must read if you are moving into the empty nest years and thinking about what's my legacy going to be. Um, that's one of the major principles that Jim had when he got his cancer scare too. We have four copies of this book to give away, Have Serious Fun. We'd love to place one in your hands. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, the number to get you through to the bottom line. Some final thoughts on these uh, reflections from Dr. Jim Burns coming up next as the bottom line continues. 
One of the greatest gifts that we can give to an expectant mother is the gift of the first picture she'll ever have of her son or daughter in the womb. That comes through an ultrasound, and our friends at Preborn have an opportunity for us to make more of these ultrasounds a reality. Every time you give a donation of $28 to Preborn, that means one more ultrasound can take place. But how about giving enough money for an ultrasound machine? The cost is $15,000. It's a sizable investment. But every ultrasound machine can do 250 ultrasounds per year and lasts at least 10 years. Now take that cost $15,000 and divide that by 2,500. Okay, now you begin to see how the cost per ultrasound goes down even more once we have more ultrasound machines to donate into preborn clinics. Make a donation right now to preborn. It's completely tax deductible, and every penny, every dollar you donate right now is going to the purchase of an ultrasound machine. 833-850-BABY is the number to call. 833-850-2229 or go to kbrightradio.com. That's K-B-R-I-T-E radio.com. Click on the banner for Preborn and make your best donation right now. $25, $50, $100, it all counts towards saving babies' lives. kbrightradio.com. Hit the Preborn banner right now. My thanks again to my dear friend and author, Dr. Jim Burns. Uh, if you loved his book on doing life with your adult children and uh, wrestling with the empty nest, um, Have Serious Fun is the book that was sandwiched in between those two. Have Serious Fun and 12 Other Principles to Make Each Day Count. This was a kind of come to Jesus moment for Jim when he was diagnosed with testicular cancer or prostate cancer, excuse me, a little over 10 years ago. And he began to say, realize, if I don't have any many more sunsets here or sunrises, what are the life legacy lessons I want to impart to my kids and grandkids? That's this book. Uh, 800-227-5278. It's Everyone Wednesday today. Jim brought four copies of the book, so everyone's going to win something. And if you don't win one of these books, we have other prizes too. Crystal will be happy to let you know what they are. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. You know, you don't have to face a life-altering situation to have this conversation with yourself and your family. Uh, I know Jim had uh, his battle with prostate cancer. A few years later, I had my open heart surgery. Both of us know what it's like to walk this road. But these 13 principles are so powerful because they'll help you if you're having a hard time making family a priority. If There's some things you need to change in terms of spending or your health or whatever, and that seems uncomfortable. What's it going to be, the pain of discipline or the pain of regret? You know, how do you keep an attitude of gratitude in spite of negative circumstances in the culture? This book will help you achieve those goals. Dr. Jim Burns, the book is called Have Serious Fun and 12 Other Principles to Make Each Day Count, 800-227-5278. 800 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, the number to get you through to the bottom line. For our KCBC audience, enjoy the rest of your day. Uh, we've got Rabbi Schneider and Discovering the Jewish Jesus coming your way next. For those who remain on the network, I'm going to get into a little bit of controversy here about that country song that has got some people up in arms and other people raising their hands saying, hey, hey, hip, hip, hooray. What's a Christian response to Jason Aldean's new song called Try That in a Small Town? I'm going to try to look at this as objectively and spiritually as possible and tell you what parts I think work and what parts he could have done better. That's all coming up next as the bottom line continues. 
Well, welcome back to this Everyone Wednesday edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh, still taking your calls. Our Everyone Wednesday gift to you is we have four copies of Dr. Jim Burns' book, Have Serious Fun and 12 Other Principles that will literally help you reprioritize your life to make each day count. Uh, Jim wrote this book after uh, going with about a, uh, dealing with about a prostate cancer, having a very dear friend who was battling a similar cancer and wound up losing his battle. Jim, of course, is still here. And ironically, after Jim went through that battle, he wound up writing the two most important books of his ministry. Uh, that is uh, Enjoying the Empty Nest and the now legendary book, uh, Doing Life with Your Adult Children. And so I know as someone who survived a medical scare myself five and a half years ago, that sometimes God walks you through that valley and gives you the opportunity to heal up, but you always keep your eye on eternity. Uh, the passing of a friend will sting a lot more. The, uh, I've had three in the last two years who passed away that really left an impact on me. And if you hear me preaching the gospel more, you know, doing the whole, and when I say preaching the gospel, many Christians don't understand what that means. I didn't until my adult years. It simply means saying, look, we're sinful people. We can't free ourselves. We're not perfect. But thanks be to God that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son not to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved. And you have a penalty for the sin that you have accumulated. You were born sinful because you're the uh, child of Adam and created in God's image, but in a sinful fallen world, the only way you can have a relationship with God is for someone to pay your debt. And the only way that debt can be paid is with the blood of Jesus Christ, the perfect sacrificial lamb whose blood shed on the cross for you and for me not only wipes the, the slate clean, so it justified, just as if I had never sinned, but also pays the penalty. And there are people who are going to be suffering in eternity. People go, well, why, why is it that God, why would God send a seemingly nice guy? He was such a good guy. She was such a nice girl. Why would God send them to hell? Well, here's the thing. I'm really very simple. It's accounting. Um, accounting 101. If you take on more debt than you have assets to pay, then you will wind up working a long time to pay off your debt and not having anything for yourself. In Jesus' day, it was not uncommon for people to, quote unquote, sell themselves into slavery or into indentured servanthood. I owe you a thousand denarii, denarii is a day's wages. And if I work for a denarii from you, I'll never pay that thousand off. But if I sell myself into indentured servanthood, I can work for you for three years, <clears throat> have a place to live, roof over my head, food in my gut, clothes on my back. And at the end of three years, I bought my way out of my debt. Now, people understand that and say, okay, well, that kind of slavery makes sense. The buying and selling of people does not. Uh, it, it, nowhere does it square in scripture. And yet, when you think about it, you and I both have the good fortune of being able to say, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son for me. That if Roger believes that Jesus Christ went to the cross to pay the penalty for my sin, and now not only is my debt marked paid in full, but the sins that I have committed are washed from my record just as if I had never committed them, then what a great deal. Now, there are a lot of Christians who run around, they think it's like the COVID vaccine was. Remember, I don't have to worry about the COVID vaccine or getting COVID because I got the vaccine, not realizing that the vaccine gave you a little measure of protection by giving you COVID effectively. 
but it didn't always give you protection. I'm convinced that the reason that the pandemic went on as long as it did is a lot of people were careless after they got a jab, thinking that was the end-all, be-all. A lot of people will say, oh, I believe in God, and they keep on living their sinful, weird, reckless ways. If there hasn't been a change of heart for you, if it doesn't look different for you, if people don't see or hear a different way of life from you because you've turned from your sinful, indulgent, whatever ways, then it's real easy to say, Lord, Lord, and have God say, depart from me, I never knew you. And I don't know about you, but that is the one part of the Christian faith that makes me shiver. In my prayer life, coming before God saying, Lord, please remember me when you enter your kingdom. Please do not turn away from me. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. That prayer from Psalm 1914. I want to make sure that my heart is right with him first and foremost. Then we go on the radio and have a radio show. Then we go in the pulpit and preach. Then we go out in the marketplace of ideas and interact with other people, which leads us to exhibit A here for the remainder of today's edition of the Bottom Line Show. Um, there was a music video that was released a couple of weeks ago. And it, it basically takes a look at how life in America, as far as the mainstream media are concerned, looks an awful lot different than the life in anywhere USA. Uh, there have been songs written about small towns in America for generations. Every generation seems to have their own writer. The first one I can that comes to mind off the top of my head, I remember because it's a simple melody, it's a simple verse, John Mellencamp, comes uh, he's out of Seymour Indiana or something like that wrote a song called small town I was born in a small town I was raised in a small town gonna die in a small town that's where they're gonna bury me it was literally it's that simple of a lyric I was taught to fear Jesus in a small town uh had my first cigarette in a small town it was just it, it it's a it's a very hooky you know when you hear the song you get the lyric right away you get the melody right away and and people have loved that style of music for years for generations country music notorious for having songs like that that appeal to people who uh, that that uh, I think it was Don Henley wrote in his song The End of the Innocence uh, that same small town that's in each side of, inside of each one of us it doesn't matter how big your career gets if you grew up in a town that had 100 people in it or 400 or 500 then there's that those sensibilities you know i knew people like I, I could you know i remember a time when i could ride my bike anywhere you know type of america and the world isn't like that anymore but there are many people who are fleeing the larger towns and going to the smaller towns because they want those values the sensibilities trust me when someone calls the bottom line show and has a uh, you know just calling in saying i want to make a donation to support preborn or i want to make a donation for alliance defending freedom or something like that I'm that guy who looks at the call sheet and says, oh, they called in from and lists the name of the city or the community or the town because not all of the mailing addresses are actual cities. They're communities. Uh, one of my favorites is a KCBC uh, uh, community called Crow's Landing. We have some pretty loyal listeners in Crow's Landing. The last time I checked, the population of Crow's Landing was 326 people. Now, we get people who call from L.A., San Francisco, San Diego, Riverside, I mean, major cities. We've got listeners in New York who listen online, people in Vegas, Arizona, of course, all of our Colorado. You know, those are Denver's, the what, 15th largest market in the country. 
But the ones that really draw me out or draw me in, I should say, are the smaller towns. Because I'm very mindful of the fact that some of the most effective ministry happens in rural churches, happens in small areas. And I love the fact that one of the things you see, if you look at the bottom line show and compare it to other Christian radio programs across the country, is the fact that we have a reach into larger areas, you know, Anaheim, Santa Ana, you know, Ventura, whatever, but also into smaller areas too. I mean, ones that are kind of blips on the radar. Last I counted, and this is just anecdotal, I don't have the numbers in front of me, uh, KCBC, for example, we have at least a half dozen towns, communities, that have less than a thousand people in each one of them that are regular listeners to the bottom line show. And um, trust me, this is why people like Sound of Freedom, you know, come up and say, we'd like to promote our movie on your channel because they know that, you know, everybody wants, I want to be on the Today Show. You don't want to be on Jimmy Kimmel, you know, that type of stuff. But though, how popular are those programs in these smaller areas? It's you and me just hanging out here on small and large market radio. So when I saw the, the, the kerfluffle about the Jason Aldean song, I thought, you know what? I'd like to take a look, first of all, at the lyrics, and then I want to see if I get a better feel for the story. Now, to be fair, the song is recorded and performed by Jason Aldean, but it's not written by Jason Aldean. The four people who wrote this song are Kelly Lovelace, Neil Thrasher, Tully Kennedy, and Kurt Michael Allison. The song is called Try That in a Small Town. I want to read the lyrics and then get into the controversy. Okay, so here are the lyrics, and I apologize in advance. If anything that I'm about to say is offended, I'm simply reading, offensive, I'm simply reading the lyric sheet. Now, background on the song, it was written as a reaction to the increased amount of crime that's happening, places like San Francisco where stores are closing because people just walk in and, you know, they'll punch somebody on the street or rob a store, that there were people who, uh, during the Black Lives Matter rallies around George Floyd and Ahmaud Arbery and things like that, people were, uh, you know, on the one hand, they were outraged that these young black guys were uh, taken down by police officers. On the other hand, there were people who were saying, hey, why are you showing such disrespect to the police? And then, of course, the gun grabbers who want gun control, et cetera. Anyway, here are the lyrics. And this is, then we'll get into the controversy, okay? Try that in a small town performed by Jason Aldean. Sucker punch somebody, somebody on a sidewalk. Carjack an old lady at a red light. Pull a gun on the owner of a liquor store. Yeah, you think it's cool. Well, act like a fool if you like. Cuss out a cop, spit in his face, stomp on the flag and light it up. Well, yeah, you think you're tough. Well, try that in a small town. See how far you make it down that road. Around here, we take care of our own. You cross that line, it won't take long for you to find out. I recommend you don't. <laughs> try that in a small town. Got a gun that my granddad gave me. They say one day they're going to round up. Well, that beep might fly in the city uh good luck and try that in a small town see how far you make it down the road around here we take care of our own and the chorus goes on full of good old boys raised up right if you're looking for a fight well try that in a small town see how far you make it down the road around here we take care of our own you cross that line it won't take long for you to find out and i recommend you don't try that in a small town Okay, those are the lyrics to the song. 
the video has created quite a controversy. I'll talk about the video and what a Christian response might be to Jason Aldean's song. We'll talk about that coming up next as the bottom line continues. You can protect against market volatility without investing all your money into bonds. Wilson Financial has simply better alternatives. The last 12 months, there has been almost $1.7 trillion invested in investment-grade bonds. This move to safety locks up money for a long time of guaranteed low returns. Why? Market volatility. Well, my comment is why go with low earnings for a long time when you can get great earnings with a solid real estate-backed investment paying you 6% over the next three years. After three years, you can invest in another option, or you can do what most of our investors do and reinvest in another one of our new exclusive 6% accounts. This strategy gives you the best of both options without settling for many years of low returns. Our 3D Money 6% account pays you great interest while you're not subjecting yourself to market volatility. Call 800-696-9970, 800-696-9970, or visit kbrightradio.com slash wilsonfinancial and ask about Dennis Wilson's exclusive real estate-backed 6% investment account. Wilson Financial Services, for simply better alternatives. Welcome back to the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. It's Everyone Wednesday. Boy, talk about a head turn here. We go from Jim Burns' Have Serious Fun book and 12 other principles to make each day count, which is our giveaway today at 800-227-5278. Four copies of that book were given away to a few reactions for the Jason Aldean video called Try That in a Small Town. Now, I read the lyrics. Uh, it does include one word of profanity, which I edited out. Um, when th the song was released to radio on May 26th, on July 14th, they released a video and he elaborated on the message he hoped to convey in that single he posted on Twitter that day. When you grow up in a small town, it's an unspoken rule of we all have each other's backs and we look out for each other. It feels like somewhere along the way, the sense of community and respect has gotten lost, but deep down we are all ready to get back to that. Now the song lyrics summarize the deadly violence that happened in the U.S., of course, following the death of, death of George Floyd. Uh, 20 people were killed in the protests as a result of the police, uh, the four police, former police officers in Minneapolis responsible for his death. Uh, damages to people's homes, police buildings, federal buildings, literally billions of dollars in damage. And as he sings in the video, there's a, a term that they use in the industry called B-roll. That's where they're playing a voiceover of somebody talking and they shoot some video that they play that isn't really the main part of the story, but it's kind of a background. And in the B-roll, what you see is, uh, um, you know, uh, the violent protests and damaging and, you know, things like that to happen in these towns. And basically what the, the singer is making the point, he says, I got a gun my granddad gave me around here. We take care of our own. Um, the song concludes with footage of a news report featuring a profile of people in a small town helping each other with one person summarizing the culture as, quote, if somebody needs help, we give it to them. Now, Ashton Pittman of the Mississippi Free Press posted the, the, the video on Twitter and immediately pointed out the fact that Jason Aldean shot one part where he's standing at, there's a courthouse and there's a big American flag hanging in front of it. But this is also a courthouse in Maury County in Columbia, Tennessee. Now, what makes that courthouse offensive 
to many people, it should be offensive to all of us, is the fact that this is the site where a man by the name of Henry Choate, or Choate rather, C-H-O-A-T-E, was lynched. He was strung up by a white mob who literally had attached his body to the back of a car, drug him through the streets of Columbia, Tennessee, took him to the courthouse, and their way of getting quote-unquote justice was to hang him, to string him up. And the writer, ironically, or points out the irony and says, so this courthouse, the site of the white lynch mob that hung Henry Choate, the Maury County Courthouse in Columbia, Tennessee, this is where Jason Aldean chose to sing about murdering people who don't respect the police. Now, it's interesting because originally CMT, Country Music Television, Cable Channel, which regularly airs music videos, pulled the video from its lineup. Now, what's happening, of course, in the U.S. is similar to what used to happen in in the U.K. Remember when, like, the Beatles would have a song and rock and roll was kind of a new thing, and they'd say, oh, we're, we're banned on the BBC. And so what did that mean? All the kids went out and bought the song because they wanted to hear why it was banned, right? Well, Jason Aldean's song, Try That in a Small Town, has been viewed more than 16 million times on YouTube over the past two weeks. It is the number one song in America trending in music. According into uh, Entertainment Tonight, the production company behind the music video, uh, Tacklebox, basically said, hey, well, hold on a second now. People are giving us a bad time for filming in front of the Maury County Courthouse. But they said, uh, if you look, there was a Lifetime original movie called Stepping Into the Holiday. There was a movie that Paramount shot called A Nashville Family Christmas. Even the now notorious Hannah Montana film all had scenes shot in front of that courthouse. They just said, look, we picked it because it's a popular filming location we did not do this to make any sort of political statement. So who is supporting this video and what can we as Christians learn from their example? Well, first, one of the guys supporting it, of course, is Jason Aldean. Um, here's what he said in response to the initial furor over this. Over the past 24 hours, I've been accused of releasing a pro-lynching song even though it's been out since May, that was subject to comparisons that I quote, direct pl- directly quote, was not pleased with the nationwide BLM protests. These references are not only mer- meritless, but they're dangerous. There's not a single lyric in the song that references race or points to it, and it, there isn't a single video clip it, that isn't real news footage. Now, putting those two together, those are kind of apples and oranges. There is no specific mention We talked about this on yesterday's program. Gavin Newsom talking about uh, pro-gay curricula in the uh, uh, Temecula Valley School District and saying, well, it doesn't specifically say him by name in the book, but the bibliography has tons of references. Well, there is, you're right, there's nothing in there that says, I think George Floyd got what he deserved or something like that. It's nothing that horrible. But he said, look, um, I put video footage in here that's real news footage. Many people have also pointed out he was present at the Route 91 Country Music Festival where so many people in Las Vegas were shot to death. 
And he said, our community recently suffered another heartbreaking tragedy. No one, including me, wants to continue to see senseless headlines or families ripped apart. Try that in a small town for me refers to the feeling of a community that I had growing up where we took care of our neighbors, regardless of the differences of background or belief. Because they were our neighbors, that was above any of the differences. My political views have never been something I've hidden from. And I know a lot of us in this country don't agree on how we get back on track to a sense of normalcy where we go at least a day without a headline that keeps us up at night. But the desire for it is to do that. And that is what this song is about. I'm going to take on his question that he raises in his post and also throw in another wrinkle that we in the body of Christ, I think, would be wise to take into consideration in a situation like this. We'll do that on the other side of this break as the bottom line continues. You know, I'll never forget the moment I met my grandson, Isaac. It actually wasn't in the delivery room. That was the first time I held him. But the first time I actually met Isaac was when I went with his mother to her ultrasound appointment, and the ultrasound technician showed us a picture of that eight-week-old baby in the womb. Uh, you know, I encourage you to contact Preborn right now and make a donation to provide that same experience for another family. Maybe there's someone in your family who's expecting a child right now. They've had the ultrasound. You've seen the picture. You've heard the heartbeat, and you think, wow, how can I bless someone else. Studies show that 83% of the women who go to a preborn clinic and see that ultrasound either choose to become mothers and raise the children on their own or release the child for adoption. It cuts the risk of it cuts the rate of abortion dramatically. But your donations are necessary right now to get more ultrasound machines into preborn health clinics. Give a gift online when you go to kbrightradio.com and click the banner that says preborn. Cute little baby there wrapped up in a blanket. Or give a gift over the phone. 833-850-BABY, 833-850-BABY, that's 833-850-2229. Call Preborn, make a donation. Every ultrasound machine could do 250 ultrasounds per year, so give a gift right now. Welcome back to the Bottom Line Show. Last call for our Jim Burns book giveaway on Have Serious Fun. Four of these to give away here on Everyone Wednesday, 800-227-5278, the number to get you through to the bottom line. Also, once the books are given away, of course, we've got other goodies to give away. One thing we will not be giving away, though, we're not giving away a copy of the Jason Aldean video on Try That in a Small Town. Um, and again, that's nothing to do with wanting to be political or not wanting to be political. But I do have some thoughts on, you know, what's going on. And I just wanted to share this. I mean, first of all, a lot of people in the church, especially are saying, hey, I'm sick of it. I'm sick of, you know, the national protests. I'm sick of seeing buildings destroyed, businesses shut down, whatever. I just want to get back to, you know, the America I remember. Even Jason Aldean says that. He's 40 years old now. Here's the reality. It's very sentimental to want to go back to our roots, to want to go back to who we were, who we thought we were growing up. I admit, 62 years old next month. And I uh, remember growing up in Whittier, California, before moving to Orange County. And I knew what I thought the world was like because I processed it through my seven, eight, nine-year-old brain. And sometimes those values, George Barnes was uh, telling me just the other day, uh, that those values are values that show up um, you know, it, your your worldview is formed by the time you're 13. So when people start talking about the way it was, you know, make America great and stuff like that, basically what they're saying is we want it to be like it was when we were kids. Now, if you grew up in a part of the country where it wasn't great for you, 
up through your 13th birthday. You don't want to go back to that. But I would, I would caution, uh, and I do this with anyone, whether it's Jason Aldean saying, try that in a small town, we'll show you. I know what he was trying to get across, but the message that he sent didn't reflect that. In the same way that Colin Kaepernick took a knee all those years ago and said he was doing so to bring awareness to police brutality against blacks, nobody got that message. It turned into a you hate the military, you hate the police message. One thing I've learned from my counselor friends in relational counseling is this. Each of us has to take responsibility for being heard. When you are trying to communicate a message to somebody, whether it's in a marriage relationship, parent-child or whatever, it is up to you, the communicator, to make sure you communicate in the way that people can understand. So if people are misinterpreting his video and he's getting a little butthurt over that, that's on him. Secondly, when you look at I me, mean, there are a lot of people in the African-American community who are frustrated over Black Lives Matter, too, because it sounded like such a good slogan. Hey, look at these black people who keep getting killed. Black Lives Matter. We need to turn our attention on stopping police brutality against blacks. They raised hundreds of millions of dollars. And guess what happened? Three, four years later, nothing changed. There's a frustration there. I know the guys who produced the video, shot in front of the courthouse and said, well, we're doing it this way because everybody does it. If it was good enough for the Hannah Montana movie, why are we called into the, into car, uh, on the carpet here? Well, I'll, I'll answer that one. If no one else did their homework, that doesn't give you a pass. If you're trying to make a statement about getting America right and getting the values right, do a little homework on the courthouse. Find out that this was the place that 100 years ago, a very notoriously famous lynching took place. And then don't shoot the video there unless you're going to explain that. And in a four minute video clip song, 10 seconds here, five seconds there, you can't really do it justice. I, for one, am grateful that someone brought that to the surface and said, hey, look, in the future, you know, hey, why not be Jason Aldean say, you know what? We're going to reshoot that scene. We're going to put that courthouse in a whole different light. And let's see what it does for the people who watch it. We can all have a learning moment here. But at the end of the day, to just react to the reactions doesn't help anyone. But to get to the truth and the heart of the matter. If you're going to put out a song like this, you have to be willing to take the criticism for this. And if we're going to be critical in our thinking, we have to be honest. There are parts of this video that are deeply offensive to people. As a Christian in this culture, what are you then going to use as your explanation? Jason Naldean doesn't need us to defend him. Country music doesn't need us to defend him. But what can we as Christians use from this conversation to share the good news of the gospel? You think you're offended by the sins of other people? How do you think God feels? Your sins are offensive, so are mine, but by the grace of God, there is a solution. Let that be your starting point. That's the bottom line.